guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hey, and welcome to just another, no, blah, 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 <laughs> to another Just You and Me episode, not just another episode but a Just You and Me episode. This one again about the power of positive discipline. This is the second part in my two-part series because the subject I felt was just too big for one show. And actually, I th- I've been thinking about this. It's kind of mentally too big for one show. I wanted I wanted you guys to be able to kind of think about this over the course of a few weeks. So it's not that it's too big in the sense of like, I've got hours of material to cover. I mean, there you could definitely put this in hours of material. But I was more thinking that we got to let some of it sink in and then take another chunk. And so this is the second chunk. And the first one was really about the mindset getting into the the mindset of positive discipline, which involves starting with a calm, quiet manner, making sure that the punishment fits the crime, that you can't just have a set list of, okay, this is your punishment, this is your, this is because you committed that crime. And taking your child seriously, which can mean anything from not making fun of them, not being sarcastic, because children do not understand sarcasm, especially really young ones. And, and they will, and if you, if we use sarcasm with them, they end up kind of thinking like, I'm not, what am I missing here? I'm missing something. I know I am, but I don't know what it is. Kids are very literal. So taking your child seriously can mean that, but it can also mean knowing that your child does not have a, is not on a mission to make you angry, that they're not trying to be bad. That's part of taking your child seriously. In fact, I think that's probably the biggest part of it. That's really what I got into last, last, the last Just You and Me episode. And so today we're going to get into implementing the positive discipline ninja tactics that come with this mindset. So once you get into this mindset, you really it's a it's a little bit of a a reversal of thinking like that when you when we start to think in the way of the positive discipline, the Zen of the positive discipline, when we start to think in this way, it kind of changes. It really changes everything. It's like a it's like a major focus shift. And and so that you know that's what we've got today. We've got some positive discipline ninja tactics for for you. And actually as I'm thinking about this, I in real time it's uh late October and this week there's a show that I absolutely love called Relaunch. It's a it's it's an entrepreneur show I think, but it's really about people coming back from things. You know, people have major setbacks or 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 different kinds of setbacks. Sometimes people's setbacks are things like illness or injury that they're coming back from. And sometimes they are things like financial setbacks or, or getting a divorce or something emotional, some kind of emotional setback like that, like a divorce. And and a lot of times it's the catalyst 
for something much bigger that they that maybe wouldn't have happened if they hadn't had the initial problem. And I have to say, that's kind of how I figured feel this show came about because I I had this major I've had these major major tendon problems over the last four years, and I would never I I believe anyway that the show would not have happened if I hadn't had the problems that I had, which if you want to hear about it, you can go back to episode zero. That's the traditionally, that's like the where the podcaster gets to tell his or her story. And mine is is really fun, because it's me and four people who have been my closest friends throughout my entire life, we grew up together. So they've, and they we've all had our challenges. And we kind of talk about about what they've taught us, our life lessons, what they've taught us. And it's it. there was a lot of wine consumed that night. And uh, it's really, really fun. The audio isn't the best because live audio, as I've been learning, is tough sometimes. You've got different people using different, um, they have different, like loudness in terms of in, in their, just in their voices or whatever. They have, they hold the microphone closer or further away. They, it's just, anyway, so the, the sound is not fabulous there, but it's still a great, 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 great episode. And I think you'd really enjoy it if you went back to listen. It's actually, as of today, it's the most downloaded episode. And today is late, as I said, it's in late October. It's the most downloaded episode ever. So it must be, must be, people are really responding to it. So actually, I got into that because I was listening to Relaunch. And Relaunch is hosted by these two amazing people. Dr. Pei Kang is the wife of she's a businesswoman in her own right. She's a dentist. Um, she's she's just amazing, an amazing woman. And her husband is doctor, not doctor, is Joel Bogus. He he is a, a he's, I think he's got a degree in counseling psychology. And he and and he and she together they host Relaunch, the show about kind of coming back from things and I or or you know, starting over kind of a thing. And Joel has an amazing, amazing story. So when he was five years old, he fell off a railroad bridge. And he spent time in a coma, like weeks in a coma, it took him years to regain. And actually, I'm going to stop there because I as because Joel is coming on the show. And I'm really, really excited about that. That's an upcoming show. If all goes well, We'll have we'll, it'll be an interview with Joel Bogus. So um, I'm really, really, really excited about that. Anyway, that's two tangents that I've gotten you off on now. One about me and one about Joel Bogus. But the reason I bring it up is because recently this week there was a show with Rudy Rudiger, who they they did a show, a relaunch show in which they interviewed this amazing guy named Rudy Rudiger. The subject of a movie called Rudy, which maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't. If you have not seen it, please go and watch it. On the surface, it looks like a movie about football, but it's not a movie about football. And if you want to find out more about what it's a movie about, it's such a great movie. <laughs> it's such a great movie. And the thing is, it's about a, it's a true story. So Rudy Rudiger, the guy, really, really, really wanted to play football for Notre Dame. That is all he wanted in his life. And this movie is about that. And so he, I think he's just written a book recently, which I'm going to have to get my hands on because I bet it would be a great, a great memoir. And Rudy's whole thing is about, is about, gosh, I'm, I'm having such trouble forming, forming words. I'm so excited about this topic. Basically getting what you want out of life, um, and how there are going to be obstacles and there's going to be stuff that, that stops you and there's going to be maybe people who try to stop you who think you're not good enough or whatever. And 
And they talk in the in in the relaunch episode with Rudy Rudiger. They talk about this very uh, specific moment in the movie, which is where Rudy is reading his acceptance letter to Notre Dame. This is he's been working really really hard at this. A lot of obstacles in his way to get this, and he describes they they made it really symbolic in the movie. It it happened a little bit differently in real life, but in the movie he is sitting on the Notre Dame campus and he's looking at this thing called the Golden Dome, which I think is like so Notre Dame, as you know, is a is a an, I think it's an Ivy League college. It's a really competitive difficult college to get into um it's it's kind of an amazing place a really vaunted place and as rudy in the movie which is played by sean astin i love him so much he's opening his letter and he can see the golden dome like as he's reading the letter i i haven't seen it in a long time but you can see the golden dome in the background and rudy on the on relaunch says to his hosts joel and dr pay he says, if you turn 10 degrees from that dome, from the golden dome, and you turn and you look 10 degrees away, you will see the uh, the power plant stacks, these big, huge towers with smoke coming out of them and stuff like that. He says, that's where I grew up. I grew up over in the power plant district of like, it's a, it's a town that's nearby the, the city that Notre Dame is in. And I mean, for him, that was a huge, it was a huge thing because you know here is where he came from which is so far away mentally in terms of headspace from where he wants to be and here he is opening this letter in the place where he wants to be and he's he's you know it's kind of he's successful now and do you know what I'm not really sure why I brought that into the conversation I think it it had to do with taking your child seriously I think because that's that's really in my notes that's what I'm looking at those are the words that uh, are coming up for me. If we use positive discipline, it will take us places that we would never have thought we could make it. And it really has to do with believing in yourself, believing you can do it and helping your child believe in him or herself. And we do that when we use positive discipline, when we take them seriously, when we make the punishment fit the crime, and when we start with a quiet and calm manner, because it's just a whole mind shift. That's really that's really what it is. I think that's where I started with this. It's up to us to help our kids realize the possibilities that they might have in life if, if they are supported. And the way to support is with building up with positive discipline. So here are the ninja tactics that you should start using today. And I'm a lot of you probably already do. But uh, if you don't, you know, here's here's some new things that you can take away. And I, I guess I should say too, if you want to go back and listen to episode 35, the power of positive discipline part one, go ahead. It's not a prerequisite. Uh, but you might you might get some I hope you anyway, you get some really good value out of it because it's all about getting into this mindset. So the first positive discipline ninja tactic for you to start using today is this. Let your child take a time out himself and decide how long it should be. Now, I do not mean that you sit your child down, your two-year-old down, and you say, Sonny, it's the research says that you should really be in a timeout in this timeout chair for three minutes because you're three years old or two minutes because you're two years old. But I'm going to allow you to think about this yourself and decide in advance. That's really not, I, you can see how absurd that is. It's not going to work. Letting your child take a time out himself and decide how long it should be happens in the moment. And I noticed that when my kids were really young, and I noticed this in the classroom too, some kids 
will feel the the pain maybe of what they've they'll feel the embarrassment or the pain or the kind of I I would say humiliation but they'll feel bad in themselves. They might not even be able to define bad if they do something wrong, if they if they hurt a friend's feelings or if they take something and then can't can't get it back or if somebody takes something from them and then even worse if they retaliate and they yell or they hit or something like that. A lot of times those kids know instinctively that they need time away from this from this moment. And in in our classroom, we had a we did have a timeout space. It was not a timeout chair. Sometimes you'll see like, I don't know, a a little time, a wooden chair or something that's that's really I feel like it's meant to punish. And it's meant to, to make the child feel punished. It's not meant to help the child get himself or herself back together and get back in the game. It's meant to say you did something wrong, you're going to sit here and think about it. Did that work for you? <laughs> when somebody told you that that you should be thinking about it, did that work for you? It certainly didn't work for me. And I've seen it not work with my own with my own children. So our timeout space in the preschool is a, a an area that's really soft. It's got lots of pillows. It's isolated from like, it's not near the block area. It's actually near the computer area because that's another area where kids need a little bit of quiet. And we would see kids go there all the time when they when they had done something wrong. And they were opting to go there themselves because they needed to collect themselves after an, inter- an altercation or an interaction that went badly for them. And that's what our kids need. They need they need the decision-making power to say, oh my gosh, I need a minute. Otherwise, something's going to happen, you know. And it might not even they might not even have that thought process. But eventually they will. If we say to them, use your best judgment, you know, you've just, you're in, you're in trouble. Use your best judgment here. And uh, you, you can't say that to a little, little kid. But a little, little kid will instinctively start, if that space is available to them, they will start going, they will start using it. And I saw this with my own kids. I see this with my own kids still, actually. And the space that my guys use is often their room um, because it's a, it's a place of safety. It does. It's got pillows. It's got stuffed animals. It's got comfort. And when I say deciding how long it should be, letting the kid decide how long it should be, oftentimes my kids would go, would would be, start to really lose it. I've told them I've told them no, even though I'm trying to make no sound like yes, they understand sometimes that no means no, and that I'm not going to let them have this thing that they really want. I'm not going to let them have a second helping of dessert. I'm not going to give them back this thing that they just broke. I'm, I'm saying to them, you know, I'm sorry about this. This this has happened. It's something that you're going to have to work out for yourself. And a lot of times what they would do is they would literally just run into their rooms, jump on their beds and have a really good cry. And when they're done, when they've wound it up, then they come back out and it's like you can all start again. And it's it's really good good because it's motivated intrinsically. It's not us adults saying, I'm imposing this timeout on you. Here is the timeout timer. Imagine in a preschool classroom with 12 kids you know, we'd need, sometimes we'd need 12 timeout chairs. It's just, it doesn't work. And I think it's tempting to use as a parent because it works a lot better. You know, you can, at at least it's a place where, where they're not, the timeout chair is a place where they're not, uh, they're not getting into trouble anymore. 
but they're just waiting for that timer to go off. They're not thinking necessarily about what what just happened. They're not making any internal adjustments because that's really what life is all about. It's trying to figure out, oh, okay, I've screwed up here. How can I do this differently next time? So the timeout should really be focused on that. But from the, from the perspective of your child, I can understand when we need to get away, like when we need to, we, sometimes we take timeouts for ourselves. I guess we could say it this way. There, I, one of the things that I learned as a parent that I just love I didn't think about this as a as a preschool teacher because it did there was always somebody else to kind of if if a child was really getting to me if I was allowing a child to get to me there was always somebody else to step in you, you're in a, in a one you know you're not 1 to 12 in a preschool classroom you're maybe 1 to 3 in a in our we were in a public preschool program and I taught in a special needs classroom so so generally speaking there's a, there's a lot of adults in a classroom like that which is wonderful but you don't have that support when you're at home and sometimes we need a timeout because if we don't take a timeout for ourselves, we're going to end up maybe yelling at someone, saying something or doing something that we will later regret. And so when you need a timeout, you need to make sure that your child is safe and you need to go and, and you know, what, we, what do we say to the kids, right? We say, put your face in your pillow and scream or do something that gets out some some negative energy for you. Maybe if you can take a time out and take a walk, gosh, that would be great. Uh, if you can do something that combines physical with alone, <laughs> that will help your long term. Like you, if you can get, if you can work that into your schedule, this is what I found anyway. You, you don't need as many. I got to take a time out right now, or I'm going to do something I regret. So, so that's about. That's really what I have to say about timeouts. I, I think they can be useful if they're used in the right way. Let your child take a timeout himself and let him or her decide how long that timeout should be. And then when they come back out from their timeout space that they've chosen, then you've got, you can start again. It's, it's great. Everybody gets to start again. And I guess I, the last thing I would say about timeouts are it's a timeout, any kind of timeout is better than like hitting your child. It's so I think here's a good place to talk about People talk about one way of discipline is giving your child a good smack when they when they do something wrong. And I, I unconditionally do not believe that. I think a good smack sets your child up to know that what you do when you get in trouble is you get smacked. And what you do as it teaches the it teaches the child that the stronger person is going to win that you have to bend your will to the stronger person. And when and then when they grow up and they are the stronger person, that's how they're going to solve conflicts. They're going to solve conflicts with, with smacks, with punches, with, with violence. And we do not want to teach our kids that, right? We do not want our kids to grow up in a world where everything is settled with conflict. And I know that, I mean, I, I, can, I can feel people out there saying, well, what about wars, right? We've been in a war now since my 15-year-old was one. And that's, but that's a, I feel like that's a bigger, different issue. And positive discipline, not hitting, using, using consequences other than violence, using, using something other than violence to settle conflict has to start at home. And if enough people do it, then we will end up with, with a nation of, of children who grow up knowing how to solve conflicts using their words, using their empathy, 
using, we'll get into that in a couple of minutes because that's another ninja tactic. And we need that. The world needs people who, who know how to address conflict without violence, who know how to settle differences with speech and with empathy. So timeouts are better than hitting your child. And if that's, if that's what you feel like you need to start with, if you need the timeout chair and the timer to get away from, from spanking, then, then please do that. But, but what I'd love it is if, if we could work towards letting your child take a time out himself and deciding how long it should be. Because I guess if we think about it, it's really a continuum. I mean, somebody who was raised being spanked as I was, the only reason, to be honest with you, probably one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons that I've never hit a child, my child, is because when I was starting from when I was in college, I started working in the uh, the Yukon, they were called the Yukon Child Labs at the time, which I always thought was such a weird name. But one of the very first lessons that we learned was you have to teach children to solve conflicts in a way other than than hitting. And if if we as employees hit a child, we were in deep dookie. You cannot do that. It's a, it's a, it's, it would be like a preschool teacher hitting a child or something like that, right? You can't do that. But a lot of, a lot of us came from homes where spanking was part of the deal. And we would say things like, well, I mean, I turned out all right, right? I, we turned out okay. Um, and that's uh, like, so that was really where I learned that, that you can't, you can't hit a child and expect that child to grow up not thinking about hitting as a way to solve conflicts. So I know that I recognize that this is kind of a, it's a, it could be a long road. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to me and you're feeling right now, like, well, why the hell can't I, I, I hit my child to teach a lesson? I would, I would ask you to please get in touch with me. I think that um, I'd love to try and convince you, I guess, if this isn't convincing you, I'd love to try and convince you. And so that's, so if we think about kind of taking small steps away from away from timeouts that are that that don't where the punishment doesn't fit the crime where we say okay you're 3 years old so you're going to have a 3 minute timeout sitting in this chair or this corner or at the bottom of the stairs there and moving towards a kind of more autonomy independence for your child that they they can feel free to go to a place that's comfortable for them in a kind of timeout way, cry it out, think about it, and then come back when they when they want to. That's really empowering for a kid. And I'd love it if you if you try this and it works for you, just let me know. So that's the first way. Let your child take the time out himself or herself and decide how long it should be. The second way to the second ninja tactic for positive discipline is to think about using natural consequences as your disciplinary measure. So if in anger, you throw a toy, it breaks, right? That's a natural consequence. A lot of times that that's punishment enough and you learn not to throw toys anymore. It may take a while, <laughs> it probably does, but that's a natural consequence. So consider, consider the natural consequences. A lot of times they're enough. With Max, I told the story last time of he took a pen knife when he was seven and he, in, he scratched into the window in his room. He just, he didn't scratch letters or anything. He just scratched into his, into his window. And the natural consequence of that was that he now has a kind of a busted window. And thank goodness it didn't result in the natural consequences of him getting hurt or the window breaking or something like that. But he, as soon as he did it, he recognized that he'd done something wrong. 
And he was really upset about that. And and I, if you want to go back and hear the whole story, you can listen to episode 35, The Power of Dis- Positive Discipline, part one. I didn't respond well. And it really took Ben to rescue me from that situation. I was using, trying to use not natural consequences and it, it, it separated Max and me. So to hear that story, go back to that episode. Anyway, he learned not to write, not to use pen knives on windows anymore. The natural consequences are very often enough. And I really don't think I have a lot to say about a lot more to say about that. Natural consequences as a disciplinary measure really, really work. And it doesn't require any more than that. Oftentimes, sometimes it does, but not but oftentimes it doesn't. So that's number two, the second ninja tactic. The third one is start early in the development of empathy. If we can, if we can think of discipline as a way to develop empathy, then we have we have won the battle. I mean, we really, really have because it, it changes all of our interactions to think my child has done this, whatever it is, broken something, hurt someone's feelings, destroyed something that was precious to somebody. These are all things that kids do. And we did them too, probably. The best thing that we can say in, especially in a social situation. So in a situation where one kid was working really hard to build this amazing block tower and another kid came along and said, wow, that looks like a great thing to kick down and does it. There are some real, like the, the child who built that up is probably crying. The child who who destroyed it is maybe not caring about the child crying. Maybe they're thinking that was great fun. It's our job to develop empathy within that child. And the best thing we can do is we can go to that child and we can we can put a hand on their shoulder and we can say, how would you feel if you had built up that block tower and somebody did that to you? And so what we're doing is we're asking them to take a different perspective. And I I think this this really gets into this idea of saying sorry. I We never... We never force our kids to say sorry. And I would ask you to kind of think about that. A lot of times as parents, we feel if our kids do something bad, especially out in public, we, we want to be like, oh, my God, I'm so, I, you know, say you're sorry. Um, and it's got a lot to do with like our humiliation and embarrassment that our kid did this. I Believe me, I've had this happen. I, <laughs> not that there was any way for my Jason to say sorry about this, but um, when he was three, we walked into a restaurant and he was really impressed with the size of one of the workers in the restaurant. She was very, very overweight. And in his three-year-old way, he had no idea that what he was going to say was upsetting to her. But he went up to her and he basically said, wow, you're really fat. Like almost in this congratulations kind of voice. And I was mortified. And as soon as he saw the expression, he was expecting her expression to be like, wow, thanks. And it, her face just fell. And you could see, talk about natural consequences. You could see that Jay totally knew he had done something horribly wrong. And he didn't know what it was. And if I had run in there and said, you'd say you're sorry, we never say that. He would have, it would have been much more than the natural consequences. And it would maybe have interrupted the development of empathy. And and instead, what, what I did was I went to this, to this woman and I said, I am so sorry. I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry that my son said that. It, it's, it, you know, he's really, he just doesn't understand. 
yet. And, and she, I think she understood and, and gosh, I just felt so terrible. And Jason felt so terrible, even though he didn't understand why he knew that he'd done something horribly wrong. And so later we were able to talk about that. And that was, kids don't understand like body images that somebody else might have. They just, they're not wired for it. They're developmentally too young for it until they're, I don't know, probably seven or eight. So we had some conversations after that in which he would say, why was she so upset? And I, and I would try to explain. And he never did that again. He, there were times later where he would come up to me and he would say, mom, I really, I really want to tell that person how, how fat they are. <laughs> but he wouldn't say it to them at the very least, which was, which was really, really good. So de- the development of empathy, it's really, it's really trying to get a, a young child and an older child, it's trying to get any child to understand somebody else's perspective. And it really starts with these, when you're, when your baby does something wrong, when he or she does something wrong, it's saying to them, how would you feel if somebody did that to you? And asking them to put yourself, put themselves in this person's shoes that who, who they've just hurt, if they've hurt feelings or, or hurt physically. And I guess other ways that we can develop empathy that that aren't so much positive discipline, but I feel like it's worth mentioning are things like, so my, my Jay, again, he is obsessed with, with like war and guns and weapons. He loves, he loves thinking about, he loves learning about the wars that we've had in our past as a society. He just loves talking about it, thinking about it. He, he's, and he's always, always been this way. You know, if I ever had a hope of not having guns or nerf guns or swords or whatever in my house it's it's believe me it it went out the window when he started walking and he and his older brother would each grab a lightsaber and and just have lightsaber battles i mean uh i always loved their insistence their just quiet insistence that guns were a part of their life they were going to be a positive part of their lives and i i i basically started trying to think about ways to make them positive make them positive parts of their lives. So if they were playing with GI Joes or like Jay loves to set up army guys or whatever, I sometimes I'd get down on the floor with him and we would, we would, we would not just talk, we wouldn't talk about, Oh, this person's injured. How do you think that feels for them? But we, maybe we'd set up a, a hospital, like a, a field hospital or something like that, where the injured soldiers could go and get treated. And I feel like this has such a great impact because we are helping kids understand that people get hurt in battles, people get hurt in war, but also to help them like my, you know, my kids or preschool kids or whatever, oftentimes they love to put on like the doctor's coat and the get the stethoscope around their necks and act like a doctor. And when you're doing that, you're treating other people, you're, you're thinking about how that other person feels. And so developing empathy can happen in, in more ways than just when something's gone wrong when you're disciplining but they really, we really have to start thinking about this. This is the, the develop, and I'm sure you do. I, I, I really, I, today I feel like it's kind of, I sound very luxury and I don't, I don't mean to. I've made all these mistakes myself and I have learned from them. The natural consequences of screwing up as a parent are that you learn how to be a better parent. And I'm, I've done that. And I really hope that you'll learn from my experience and that you, you, like mentally you see a person who's sitting next to you to help you rather than a person with their finger in your face, because that's not what I'm trying to accomplish. So the first three positive discipline ninja tactics for you to start using today are let your child take a time out herself and decide how long it should be. 
Think about using natural consequences as a lot of your disciplinary measures and start early in the development of empathy. Start when they're born. (laughs) Start right away. And number four is the last one is think about the power dynamic vacuum. The power, I'm sorry, I totally screwed that up. Think about the power vacuum dynamics of positive discipline. So this is one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite ninja tactics for, for disciplining. It's, it's so, I love this. It's so simple and fun. Not addressing what you don't want to see makes it go away sooner. So I have two stories about this. The first one has to do with the book To Kill a Mockingbird, which uh, my 15-year-old is just reading as part of his language arts and uh, the, the, there's this part where Little Scout, I don't know if you've read To Kill a Mockingbird recently, but if you haven't, you got to go back and watch it and read it because it's just great. And this is one of my favorite little vignettes that happens in there is um, Scout is, the book is told from the perspective of like seven to nine year old Scout. It takes place over a couple years. And when she is, I think, eight, she is at Christmas with her uncle and they're at, they're at like the sort of family, ancestral family home and her uncle's visiting and they're there with her aunt and other uncle who live at Finch's Landing with with one of the kids. And Scout has, she's at the Christmas table and she's she's asking for people to give her dishes. Like, And she says, pass the damn ham. And uh, her uncle freaks out. Her uncle's like, what the heck? Why are you letting her talk like that? And her dad says, Atticus Finch, he says, he says, you know what we're doing? We are ignoring it because if we ignore it she's gonna she'll get bored of doing it it will go away that is what you do when you do that and it works with it works with uh with scout because it works it just works there's a vacuum created between your child wanting to irritate you or get your goat or whatever and you saying eh, that doesn't bother me i'm not even going to address it that's a power vacuum and creating a power vacuum uh, I've never seen one so vivid as when I taught my 15-year-old this ninja tactic when he was about 13 and his little brother was driving him crazy. So if he was 13, Jay was nine and his and Jay was just driving him bananas. I mean, he's st- coming up behind him and, and continuing to talk after he's after Max has said, please leave me alone. I'm not, I'm, I just don't want to talk right now. And Jay would just keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. And so Max would keep engaging. He would keep saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And eventually he would be yelling and screaming and he'd be like, I said, stop it and all that kind of stuff. And you know how it goes with kids, right? It escalates. Well, I said, I took Max aside and I said, listen, here's what you do. You ignore it. Just ignore it. Let it happen behind you. When he realizes that you're doing that, he'll, he'll back off. And it happened in this one, there was this one day where it happened so immediately where, where basically Jay was in Max's face. And I can't remember the exact um, circumstances, but he was in Max's face doing something loud, whether it was like using maracas or just continually trying to say something that, that has irritated Max in the past. And Max basically just said, keep it up, Jay. I don't care. And Jay kept it up for about five seconds. And then he was like, all right, I'm bored of this. And Max looked at me. Jay basically backed off and went and did his own thing. And Max looked at me with just wonder in his eyes. I feel like that's the moment. So 13, when you you guys get there with your kids, 13 is not an easy age. Kids, they tend not to, they pull back into themselves a bit. They tend not to trust that the adults in their life are 
being honest with them um, or they, and they really see things from their, they can't, they have a hard time with empathy. They have a hard time seeing things from somebody else's perspective. They're very self-conscious. And I feel like this, giving this tool to Max to make his brother back off, he looked at me like, you are my savior. Like I was some kind of superhero and it's made it much easier in the, in the ensuing years to, he, he kind of had a respect for me maybe that he didn't have before. Like, I think now he looks at me as a person who really knows her stuff and and has a solution for her, for these daily things that can really grind you down. And I loved that. I really loved that. And I just remember him looking at me like, wow, you are so right. <laughs> so that's the fourth one. The power vacuum dynamics of positive discipline. Just walking away. Just saying, I, I'm... Saying even to yourself, just don't acknowledge. Say to yourself, I'm not acknowledging this. They're doing this to get my goat. I'm not taking the bait. You'll be amazed at how well this works. I, I certainly have been. And I guess the last thing I would say about that is that when, when they're doing something that they know drives you crazy and you react with yelling and threatening and et cetera, the way I've always thought of it is they've won. Like my kid has won. He's beat me. And I, I'm a competitive person at heart. I do not like to be beaten in this way. I don't like it when somebody gets my goat. I don't like when somebody pushes my buttons and I react. It may, it feels like I'm giving them a power that I just don't want to give somebody. So, so that's really why I use this because I personally don't like to be beaten uh, in this way. So, so those are those are my four ninja tactics of positive discipline. Number one was put the time out in your child's hands. Number two is use natural consequences. Number three is develop empathy in your child. And number four is consider the power vacuum. I really hope that they help you. And that's about all we've got time for today. This has been, uh, this has been the second of two parts. And I've loved doing it this way. I really like the idea of kind of spreading it out so that we can really think about it. We can let some things get ingrained and some other things get ingrained later. We've got time to absorb before we have to kind of take it all in. And actually, I, I might do this in the future too. I, we'll, we'll see if more just you and me episodes are kind of like this. Because it's, I think it's been, it certainly helped me think about positive discipline differently. Putting it into words like this, really having it in one convenient kind of place for a, <laughs> two convenient places for a couple of brain dumps rather than one convenient place for too, too many. It's even work, it's working for me. And I've got 11 and 15 year olds. So I really hope they help you. And if they do, I'd love it if you'd, if you'd, if you'd give me a shout out about it. If you'd tell me, you know, you can find me at weturnedoutokay.com slash contact to tell me how these things are working for you. Or if you have questions, I, I oftentimes I'll, I'd love to use a Your Child Explained episode, which they happen every other Thursday. And I've had some great question and answer Q&A kind of situation. So if you've got a question about positive discipline and using it with your child, please ask it there. And uh, I will answer it on a Your Child Explained, a future Your Child Explained. So I'm really excited to share too, that if you're having a parenting issue that goes beyond what I can help you with in a podcast episode or with a Q&A, I've recently hung out my parent coaching sign. I can give you hope, and set you on the right track, no matter what parenting challenge you're facing, with a coaching call. So go to weturnedoutokay.com slash parent hyphen coaching to check it out. And I will link to it in the show notes as well. I really look forward to helping you. And one last request, you can help me by subscribing to the show, rating and reviewing it in either iTunes or Stitcher. Those 
subscribes, rates, and reviews really get the show noticed by other old school parents, other aspiring old school parents. And if you can help in that way, it gets the show out to more ears. You're getting We Turned Out Okay out there in the world even more. And and just thank you for that. Because I love it when when the show gets rated and reviewed and, and when, when you subscribe. It it means so much to me that you do that. It especially means so much to me, though, that you listen and that, and, and that you're here, that I get to be in your ears today. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And finally, I've got a special thanks for our producer, the man who puts the positive back in positive discipline, 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want to date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,